Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility. And through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to Found Space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm sweating it out with Stefan Kazakis. Stefan Kazakis is the CEO of Business Benchmark Group, where he coaches SME business owners on how to get off the tools and work on their business, not in it. Stefan is the author of the books From Deadwood to Diamond and How to Grow a Business, and is a leader in his field of doing what it takes to optimize and grow your business to run efficiently and effectively in today's world. In this conversation, we cover what it was like growing up in a failing family business and the toll it took on Stefan's personal life to turn it all around. We cover business development, hierarchy of personal values, and how they play a leading role in Stefan's life. We cover Stefan's mindset around money, gratitude, philanthropy, and some tips on how to navigate employment and money throughout COVID-19, whether you're an employee or an employer. Our wealth is an important part of our lives that directly affects our health, and so I'm excited to bring to you an unorthodox angle on health and wellness. Also, guys, this podcast was recorded over Zoom, and I couldn't get a good mic over to Stefan in time, so I apologize for any echo. And so I give you Stefan Kazakis. Stefan, thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. Uh, thanks for having me here, Alex. I must say, this is a, a very different place to be interviewed, but uh, looking forward to this, Alex, I must say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been excited for this one. Usually, um, the guests I've had on are all very um, physical kind of health related. You know, we're talking about emotions or we're talking about physically working out and those sort of things. And um, just through getting to know you really well over the past couple of years, um, I've just kind of learned how much of an important piece uh, wealth is as and how that affects our health um, because when things aren't going right financially, the stress and everything that comes with that can be really, really taxing on the body. And so I thought it'd be great to get you on and just unpack that a little bit and um, yeah, you've got so much to offer and um, yeah, I'm just excited to have you here. So thanks for coming on. Uh, but to, to, uh, to get things started, mate, um, what's, the, what's the sweatiest you've ever been? <laughs> The sweatiest, my God, there's, uh, <laughs> there's so much. The sweatiest I've ever been, well, mate, sitting in this room, I've got to say, there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a very close, I guess, uh, association with sweat and, uh, and this particular unit, this, uh, this bad boy. And, and, you know, one of the best things I ever did uh, uh, since COVID was, uh, was buy one of these and uh, I've never looked back. So obviously getting in this, in this room and really clearing my head and, and it's not a, uh, it's not one of those uh, water-based saunas. And this is what I love about it. It's so clean, and you can come in and really uh, sit back and think, and and you do sweat, and you sweat appropriately, and you know the controls that you've you've said here have been amazing. But 
I guess you're definitely sweat in this room. So it's very easy to say in this room I've sweated the most, particularly two weeks ago, which sort of, um, you know, you, you ask a very good question. Um, as a young guy, I, um, I used to play competitive sport and, um, and, and, I, and I remember hot summers in, um, in, in, on the Greek islands where, you know, I'd have to keep fit in the in-between season. So, you know, I'd, I'd go for a run in the morning, I'd go for a run in the afternoon and if, you, if you're in the middle of all, if you're on the Greek islands in the middle of August, that's um, particularly where mum and dad are from, which is Rhodes, um, which I've spent a lot of a lot of time there in my adult years as 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 a young adult. I used to go for runs, and I test myself in the middle of the day at about eleven thirty, twelve thirty, where the heat was just beaming, and uh, it was it was it was crazy. Looking back on it, it was really crazy. But the amount of sweat, literally, before you even tied your shoelaces to go, you know, one step forward, you were already drenched, and. Uh, <laughs> I used to uh, sort of find a lot of motivation in that. And yeah. like I was say, two weeks ago, Alex, um, I, I was in this um, room and we're preparing um, we're preparing a whole new fourth year for Board of Directors 12, one of our programs mm. at Business Benchmark Group. And I was in here just sort of reflecting on some of the videos and some of the exercises that Damien and I were um, engineering for that fourth year uh, that commences next year for many of our clients. And um, I sat in here for about 72 minutes, which is, <laughs> I reckon, 12 minutes too long. And I was at about 48 degrees. And I've got to say, at about the 60-minute mark, I'm looking at myself and feeling, oh, my God, I'm back. I'm back in my peak running the <laughs> 6 and 10K runs in the middle of uh, August on the Greek islands. <laughs> so the sweatiest I've ever been was the Greek islands. And two weeks ago, setting up the fourth year, program for uh board of directors 12 so there you go <laughs> love that i imagine there's a a lot of emotional sweat that comes with um with doing what you do in business as well um but yeah that kind of that kind of sums you up in a way because I, I there's something about um the mindset to go out in the the middle of a hot summer um in the middle of the day <laughs> and go for a run you know most runners yeah, are like oh, we'll, we'll get it done in the morning or we'll get it done in the evening um, yeah, there's something about doing it when the sun's in the middle of the sky. That's kind of yeah, next level. I love that. So, um, so you were running a lot when you were younger, and um, you were obviously close with your parents. Um, when did you start to get into business, and and how did that sort of start to shape your life from early on? I know that you um you took over your parents' business. What what was that kind of like, and how old were you, and what were you doing around that time? So I, I grew up in a family business, very, very similar to your journey where, you know, mum and dad are working and they're doing their best and they're doing it their way, which, you know, I guess as a young young guy, I really didn't know whether it was the right way, but I did know mum and dad worked hard and they were um, certainly committed to a, a business that almost sucked them, like, you know, really sucked them into, uh, you know, long days and long weeks and, and one year turned into the next. And, and they were successful as it related to their business. So... I grew up in that family and business environment. We you know the kitchen table. There was no work and then life. It was like everything was about, you know, you, you talk about school and then all of a sudden it'll be about, about, about work, mum and dad discussing what needed to happen tomorrow, what happened today and what are we doing about next week. Right. So I really got baptised into that, you know, I, I guess business, commercial, people, team, problems very early. And then... Um, Went to university um, in 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 the late eighties. Graduated in early um, 90, uh, 91 and or ninety, and 
I then went to I went overseas with my my, my friends from university um, for um for a three month holiday and ended up staying there for um for several summers and and there was a bit of commuting back at home and then I came back in about um. I was back. I was back home and, and and came back to my sister's engagement and um, realised that you know in the matter of about two and a half three years, what happened to mum's mum and dad's business? They had gone from one hundred and twenty people employed, Alex, to um, down to four, and and, and almost wow. lost. We almost lost the family home. So it was never my plan. It was never my intention. But um, at the age of about 24, 23, 24, I think I got the ages right there. Um, I I um I got involved in mum and dad's business. It was textile manufacturing, so clothing manufacturing. Um, we were the major suppliers to Nike. Um, right. Um, when that project finished ten years later, uh, but I took it over and I took it over in you know very bad shape. Um, we owed a lot of money. Mum and dad did business with with people that ultimately didn't respect. They needed to pay their bills, right? Mm. They did business in a way that was all about them. They never grew teams. So I got involved in a business that was very, very broken, <laughs> dysfunctional, and the money had gone. Mm. And and all we had was a uh, just 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 a, a huge dose of courage <laughs> and naivety on my behalf to take on mum and dad's business and help it sort of pivot back into shape. And and the most important thing for me, just to be really clear um, with you, Alex, is I was just focused on getting mum and dad to a place where they had choice again. Mm. You know, they had gone from financially retired in the late 80s to, to very much broke by um, the early 90s and, 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 and I wasn't prepared for that to be their uh, label. Mm. And, and I got involved and, and I hated going to that business. Um, literally for 10 years I ran that business and we grew it back up to 70 people. It was a multi-million dollar business. As I mentioned before, we were the major supplier. We were a, ben- a benchmark business mm. in textile manufacturing. So I got involved. At a very young age, I, uh, I engaged mentors and paid mentors and people that were truly going to, you know, give me perspective but also challenge the status quo, uh, ensure that regardless of what I liked and didn't like, I was doing the work of a leader and a CEO. Mm. And, um, you know, 10 years on, we sold that business. We had 70 people and we um, sold that business and we sold it internally to internal team and they are running it now in a different country because the Australians run out of um, textile manufacturing machinists, if you know right. what I mean. Right. So in early 2000s, I moved on to other um, industries. And in 2005, I started the um, the business coaching business, which yeah. just very quickly was all about helping business owners know that they can go home at the end of a good day mm. and spend time with their family. You know, they didn't need to work 15 and 20-hour days every day. Mm. So and- that was my birth. Yeah, beautiful. And and was it during that ten years of running that business that you kind of found your passion for business in general? No, I always, um, if anything, it, during that ten years, I was so convinced because of an attitude that it was just easy to blame mum and dad for me not being in a place that I didn't choose. But, mm. So it was very easy for me on an exterior level to blame. It's getting hot in you, mate. <laughs> it, was, um, it was very easy for mum and dad to um, be the, the reason why I was doing something I didn't choose. You know what I mean? Right. But beneath the layer of that, I studied commerce. 
um, everything about me growing up and and interestingly enough, I was having a chat with my 17-year-old that just reminded me so much of how I used to think as a very young guy um, and a very young person, I guess, just, just being curious about, you know, the, how the tool called business works. And um, mm. so, no, I, um, I certainly, I've, I've got to say, my mother's side of the family is very, um, it goes back almost, you know, six, seven, eight generations of commerce, mm. you know, um, supply and demand and buy and sell and so it's in the genes mm. and mum was and still is an amazing an amazing human being with a lot of um yeah just the way she she thinks and the way she uh she, she has a, a, an extreme dose of resilience so during that 10 years I certainly um I convinced myself that I was hating what I was doing but in fairness my mentors and those that I needed to be a little more um elegant in my behavior let's call it Mm. Um, were, were always, you know, patting me on the back for the work I was doing and continue to do it because I was punching way above my weight. Mm. The way I was thinking was way beyond my years. Mm. And um, it was only when I sold that, when we sold that business and mum and dad truly had freedom after that, that I realised, and, and, and you've heard me say this in our, in our uh, catch-ups, you know, if I knew back then what I know now, I would never have sold that business. It was a benchmark business. You don't sell benchmark businesses. Right, right. You've done all the hard work, you know, all the heavy lifting's done. Right, especially not when the cash is coming in, right, and staying in. Well, yeah, I mean, it's predictable for profits. You've got people who are doing some amazing work on the team and, you know, you're working as a unit. You're working as a true functioning business, you know, mm. where you don't have to do everything and do all the heavy lifting and, Mm. And all problems that may occur have been discussed, you know, six months, 12 months before they even happen. So you've never, you never stretched. I mean, you know through the COVID-19 period how we, you, the rock, the whole community, mm. our community of business benchmark group navigated through that and most of them, 97% of them, are better than every industry that is, even the hospitality industries, than what they were before. So mm. I... Um, the thing about business, I mean, the outcome is money, the scoreboard is numbers, but it's about people. Right. And you've got to call it tight. It's not about people and being friends. It's about being a leader is about being honest. It's about being vulnerable too, you know. Mm. It's, about being, it's about being very, um, very okay about speaking your truth. It might not be right. But to build a culture and build a business and build a team that has no judgment, and that's an ongoing, that's a constant. You know, leadership is not for the faint-hearted and business is not for the faint-hearted. And, and that's why only 13% of the adult population, Alex, in the world, adult population in the world, that's one in 10 really, mm. one in 10 adults in the world run and or lead a business. Everyone else works on someone's team. Nothing wrong with the ratios. It just demonstrates if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. Yeah, I, um, I really like what you're saying there. It, it's all about being hard on the issue and not being hard on, on the people. And I think, I think that kind of translates into life too, you know. Um, you're not being hard on the issue. It's just the, the, the thing that's going on um, in the relationship or, um, well, in the relationship, you know. If there's something happening, it's like, okay, let's address that it's not 
let's not point fingers, you know, whenever we're pointing fingers at someone, there's always three fingers pointing back at ourselves. you know, um, and it's just been open and honest and, and having that communication. Those have been some big lessons I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey over the last three years. That's for sure. You know, um, and it's also, um, it's also, if I can um, interject there for a moment, um, it's, it's also, when I reflect back on those first 10 years, when I reflect back on those first 10 years in business, officially in business, in the family business, and I guess my unnecessary behaviour, like, you know, the behaviour of, um, uh, you know what, I'm just going to behave like I'm angry because I don't want to be here with mum and dad and make it hard for them and, and you know, and, and in fairness, it was not their fault. I look back at that, and, I, and 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 if I have a regret about that first ten years, because it's the only regret I have, it's the, it's you know I chose to be below the line in front of them, mm. as the wins and the successes were coming, and and you know the first four years were very difficult, um, as the successes and the wins were coming, I didn't allow us to celebrate, <laughs> I didn't allow us to, to you know we reduced the million dollar debt down to five hundred thousand. Why not celebrate? Right. You know, so that that is one regret, and 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 you know, it's, I've I've worked really hard on myself and my personal development um, as it relates to that. And, and in fairness, if I can be really honest, and I don't talk about this much, mm. um, it's probably about four or five years ago that we buried the hatchet as a family, mm. a family unit on that period. Like mm. the scars of that period were were really really long-lasting and regardless of the success and the success that came and and literally you know 250 weeks we were into success you know on the road to success you know when from the moment we took it on rebuilt it you know four years on we were starting to be really you know in control and then the next literally the next um you know two to three hundred weeks was about um you know just real real optimization and leverage and synergy so but we never, we never allowed ourselves to celebrate. And even, it was, it was about four or five years ago, it was Dad's, um, Dad's 70th, um, four or five years ago, and um, I had a quiet, ch- a quiet chat with him and he had a quiet chat with me. And my dad's very quiet. He's a very opposite, you know, m- mum's more, my, 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 I guess my personal traits are very much like mum's. Dad's a steady, compliant profile and he's um, um, just a really good thinker and a, not, not, not many words, but, when he speaks, you listen, and and I guess just reflecting on that. And there's so much to learn in in our DNA. There's so much to learn and accept, non-judgmental as to where are where are the components of our DNA, and how does that play out in our day to day life? How does that play out as we become influencers, whether it's team and or family, and and and. You know, it's it's also it's through that period that I created my hierarchy of values. It's through that period that I created my affirmations. That to this day, you know, there's not a day that I don't wake up and or before I go to sleep to to share my affirmations. Um, you know, and and it's and it's verbalised. It's in the mirror, and it's about feeding my 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 my, my literal brain of the of the vitamins it deserves to ensure I have a choice as to how I wake up. And the choice is always in the affirmative, so affirmations. Mm. Sounds like you really, um, you really chiseled yourself into kind of the. I guess it was like a conditioning process through those ten years um, in your parents' business. To like, you kind of got spat out the other end with all of these learnings and um, understandings of business that you perhaps wouldn't have had you not gone through that 
you know, through that massive adversity. Um, I, I, I want to get into um, hierarchy of values as well. But before we get there, what, what, what the, like, what are the sort of things in your, in your, in your parents' sense? Like, how, how was, you know, they had the business in the late 80s that was, that was pumping and then by the early 90s it was, it was not. You know, what were the sort of things that they were feeling around that time? And I guess opening that up to the greater community of businesses that you've worked with, what's going through like a business owner's mind or even I imagine a lot of people's mind through COVID-19 as financially things start to go in a downward spiral, you know, what sort of things are they are they feeling and, and experiencing in their day-to-day life? Um, obviously, they're going to be stressed out, but I imagine there's a myriad of going on i think i think there's a um you know my 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 early day memories you know because again i was very much involved mum and dad started that business in 1978 from our literal our garage at home in east doncaster mm. we um then moved into our first or mum and dad moved into their first factory in 1981 in thomastown then we moved into the next factory in 1984 and and by 19, um, what have been late 80s, mm. we were working out of a, uh, you know, a 15,000 square foot factory in Thomastown. When, 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 when the fan hit, or the stuff on the fan hit, we, um, we literally packed everything up and went back to where we started in a, in a 2,000 square foot factory, and that would have been humbling. And by the time we sold it, and by the time we sold it, we were uh, running it out of a 30,000 square foot, fully automated, as far as textile manufacturing in Australia was concerned. Right. Factory. So, my early memories of what was going on versus um, what should have been going on was it was spontaneous orders. It was mm-hmm. mum and dad, and then literally 100 people in one straight line being, you know, the next line in an org chart. There was no there was no definition for roles, responsibilities. There was no stop start. Mm. It was next door. It was like if you think about a um, a fish and chip shop, you're just sort of waiting for the next person to come in and order their chips and dim sims right. and off they go. Right. Now I don't know why I thought about that um, that example, <laughs> but I just did, right? But um, it was very much order taking. Mm. So when I um when I reflect on what went wrong, it's got nothing to do with what mum and dad did other than they did business with people that had a very low integrity as it related to paying the bills. And actually we're seeing a little bit right now in certain industries where people are just putting their hand up and saying, we're going to go broke. Right. And they take people down with them. So mum and dad lost collectively in the late um, in, in, in the early 90s, they lost collectively about $1.4 million worth of bad debt. Right. This is work that they did, delivered on time mm. and on budget and, you know, margins were tight in textile manufacturing and didn't get paid. So right. when I took on that business, the importance of understanding who is your ideal customer mm that's going to allow you to make a margin so you can continue to be serving them Mm. in two years' time, in five years' time, was one of the first things that I learned 
from the great Basil Port, who was my, my, my first paid mentor mm. on day one when I couldn't feed the family, I couldn't feed myself, but I was paying a mentor to make sure we didn't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. In, and in the other thing he told me, just, just while I'm on yeah. that, because this is, this is the issue that mum and dad created, they didn't build structure. He also taught me, and, and, it's, and it's those 10 years that definitely have shaped business benchmark group and the board of directors 12 methodology, lead flow, work flow, cash flow, profit flow. Profit flow stays, dream flow occurs in your life and in your business. What he taught me was the five R's, as in the letter R in the alphabet. The right people being clear about their right roles and right responsibilities, getting paid the right money will always deliver the right result. Mm. Love there that. it is. There it is on a bumper sticker. <laughs> and he also taught me, which was really interesting as a 24-year-old to understand this, Stefan, 50% of something successful is better than 100% of not. <laughs> do it right the first time because it takes just as long to do it right the first time as it does to do it right the second time. Slow it down, communicate, confirm everyone's on the same page and move forward. Yeah, I feel like I might need to get that tattooed because uh, I'm always, I'm always on the get it done, you know, get shit done kind of uh, train, and sometimes doing things a little bit too quick. Um, so, what were the conversations like over the dinner table when uh, 1.4 million dollars worth of um, delivered product wasn't paid for? Oh, it was scary. It was scary. You know, mum and dad, you know, migrants of the uh, of the '60s came here with a suitcase, you know, their dreams, they got married here. They were, they were school school, uh, school children, friends, and they, 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 mum followed dad here. They got married here. I was born in 1969. You know, so to have perceivably everything and on the back of just a couple of bad deals but a couple of bad, again, just, just bad, bad deals, mm. which they, we do own now. We don't blame anyone. We just own it. Um, the conversations as they watch their property portfolio one after the other go down, the conversations as interest rates were now at 17% and we were maxed out in a, what, what would have been a $200,000, $250,000 overdraft, the conversations of people that we had to plead with, please just trust us, we will pay you back. We are not, we are resisting to liquidate. We're not going to do that to you. Mm-hmm. And literally I think the hardest the hardest and probably the most suppressed memory for me from that period is um, um, the conversation around do we sell the family home? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and very close to that one was, you know, when I passed HSC, which was year 12 back then and got into university, mum was so proud of me. They bought me a brand-new BMW as a, as, a, as a gift. Let's call it, you know... And, and, and by the age of 23, uh, literally five years later, we had to sell that to put food on the table. Mm. So I, don't, I, 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 I have blocked a lot of the, the drama around that. I have certainly suppressed it. And, you know, again, we've buried the hatchet to a certain degree um, four, four or so years ago. But um, when you've worked so hard, and literally, you've sweated. Literally, not 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 purposely sweated. You just sweated for it. Right. 
um, and you lose it all, and you're losing it all in a real sort of domino, bang, 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 you can't control sort of way, that's a pretty scary place mm. Mm. when yep. you're not educated in business. Right. Yeah, I imagine it just would have been like feeling it's out of your control, like you can't kind of grasp it almost, you know. Well, when your dream was so close and you felt it was in your palm gets taken away from you and literally thrown so far you will never get it ever again, when you're, when you're in your late 40s and you were a migrant and you knew what hunger and starvation was like, that's a pretty, uh, that's a very uh, interesting book to read, that one. Yeah. And so coming out of that then as you started to shift things in, in the right direction, you said um, you perhaps didn't uh, celebrate enough, which I think we're all, every human being's guilty of. <laughs> There's plenty of things to celebrate, like you know, waking up and being able to eat breakfast every morning. Um, as you kind of came out of that, I imagine some confidence came along with that as well, right? Which kind of led you to where you are now. And um, I'm hoping at some stage you did have a really big bloody celebration, mate, <laughs> because from that low point... Um, to where you sold the business is a massive turnaround. Uh, look, um, um, the, the greatest celebration happens. Um, the greatest celebration, Alex, if, um, and, and again, I don't talk too much about this, but the greatest celebration, you know, T- Terry and I, my wife and I, we got married in 19, I better get this right, 1997. It's either the 7th of March. We can edit that one out, mate. We'll just. Uh... It's, it's either the 7th of March, 19, this is why it's tricky. So when was the first Grand Prix Victoria? Here you go, in Melbourne. Oh, I definitely don't know that. I'm well, sure. whenever that was, that was the weekend, man. Okay. So <laughs> it's either the 7th of March, 97, or the 8th of March, 98. And hopefully she can't hear me because uh, she'd be. Pretty pretty off because I always get that one. It's like a fraudulent slipping spelling. There's and there's. No, right. no, it's E E I, not E R P. But um, so so um, one of the um, one of the greatest things, Alex, and um, you know, you rebuild and and the and the and the fulfilment of rebuilding, the fulfilment of being a builder, the fulfilment of growing people, the fulfilment in your twenties to have turn something around and being, you know, part of a team. Not you. I didn't do it on my own. I mean, we had 70 people. We had full full structure. It was just amazing. I'd be sitting on tables at Nike at Adidas, Puma, and, um, you know, we used to make all the AFL and NRL um, 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 merchandise to a certain degree, all the Australian Open uniforms Mm. for about five years in the late 90s um, and early 2000s. Kathy Freeman's... um, running suit prototype for the 2000 Olympics was um, prototyped in our factory in a very um, confidential uh, sort of way. It did get manufactured overseas because the the fabric was confidential Mm. at the time. So to have Kathy in our space, um, Carl Carl Lewis, one of the best Olympians ever, Serena Williams, just and, and the list goes on. All these people used to walk through our facility. We were the first code of conduct factory um, created in Australia as it related to textile manufacturing. So there were some real proud moments. But but the biggest and the greatest um, part to me that, that that till now, even until the other night when I had a, a real sort of 
off-the-cuff conversation with Stephen, my oldest boy, and Harris even last night with his uh, schooling results recently. He's a year 10 student. My son's uh, my, my, my oldest boy's in BCE and mm. tough year for him, you know. he. Um, so, so my greatest celebration is the fact that Terry and I are self-made mm. and we work really hard and we've got an intense level of integrity and and it's our children. I mean, to watch our children grow and continue to grow. And to me, it's about them being great citizens in the world, you know, being okay to to also be builders. You know, it's not going to be delivered on a silver platter. They're going to have to use their smarts and they're, uh, they're going to be, it's going to be okay to fail. I'm here to support failure for them so that they, um, they have an opportunity to uh, determine what does failure look like and how do I bounce back. So the biggest celebration... Because money, as you know, comes and it flows. That's and and there's a tipping point for money, Alex. You know, money, money, and, and the result of success as it relates to your career or your business or your job or, or whatever it is that you're playing with. This is why I sort of uh, I sort of, I, I get bemused when I hear people doing side hustles. Right, I, I get bemused when people think getting distracted is a great idea. Being delusional is an unbelievable, you know, let's sponsor delusion. Let's do side hustles. Like, you know, you know, I, I can't do one thing right. Let me try doing 10 things really bad. Side hustles. Far out. Don't get me started. But um, I shouldn't actually I shouldn't be so opinionated about that, but I do know what distraction and delusion leads to. So right. I should be opinionated by that. <laughs> but, um, no, celebration for me is the continuum. Celebration for me is making sure that, you know, my health is above all. Um, you know, you talk about hierarchy of values. That's number one. Yeah. And you know, this, this little shrine here, this little, this little place here. This is my place, and the kids and Terry and I. You know, it's a two seater. It's just enough to just give me mindfulness. It's just enough if I, if, if, if Terry's in here and she's okay for me to step into it. Fits us. It's beautiful. We have a really good conversation in here every so often. Um, for me, celebration is. I want to live to 100. I want to dance with at my grand, granddaughter's 21st. That's, that's, that's celebration for me. And that takes a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have got to go right for that that I can't control. But the things that I can control, I am rigid. I am structured. It was never my, de- it was never my default. Structure and rigid was not my, uh, not my thing. The thing for me is... Okay, you, you reckon I can't do that? Let me show you I can. The thing for me is having a finish line very clearly articulated and, 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 and let me work on a plan, let me connect a few dots and let me show you. You know, interestingly enough, um, and I brought it with me because I'm so proud of this little baby. So this little thing I achieved this morning. So this is a, um, it's a fitness program I'm involved in and um, it's called Heavy Haulers at, at PHIIT Studio here in Doncaster. Craig Abbott, shout out to you, massive, massive influencer and a great personal trainer and um, his whole team and him do an amazing thing. Anyway, this morning, four years to the day, I've reached my 500,000 milestone. I was told if you do it in five years at your level, training three days a week, you know, being in your late 40s, that would be a remarkable result. Well, four years to the day. So I, I, in, in my interview when I got this this morning, I said, bring on a million and I'll do that one in three and a half years. And, and it's not about beating the traffic. It's not about 
it's a it, it, it's it's a, it's a function of being outcome based in your thinking. It's a function of I don't need to get there in a hurry. I just need to be consistent in how I get there. Mm. And you know, and I know, I am a student of one percent improvement. That's it. Mm. How do I wake up every day? And how can I be? How can I be one percent better today? If you wake up every day and you ask that question of yourself and you're congruent, you are in integrity-based in how you look into that mirror and you say, how can I be 1% better today? Today I am going to be 1% better. And if you're looking into the mirror asking those two questions, you have just set yourself up for a ripper day. I love that. All about the uh, the morning, you know, ways to start the day. You know, those kind of powerful questions, and um, you know, I like to start the day with a since or well, pretty much all of this year, it's been getting up, thirty minute meditation, and that's not just mindfulness. That's you know, a few minutes of mindfulness, and then a few minutes of um, you know, what do I want to bring into the day? You know, I do want to bring in some abundance, and I do want to bring in that that uh that love for others and myself and forgiveness when it's needed and gratitude about everything that we have and i always used to think it was a <laughs> like a, a girly thing to do but i've been writing you know five things i'm grateful for each day uh five different things each day and man after a month you're like holy shit there's just so much to be grateful for you know and and just doing that just i, I never used to meditate in the morning just doing that the last six months it's just every day is just better because of that right and then and then you supercharge that with how can i be one percent better today you know and maybe you know maybe you'll have a a conversation that you've been avoiding um, which you find challenging to do or you know maybe you you just go for that run which you haven't been doing maybe you have a sauna that you um you've been wanting to enjoy and you know that. I'm just going to change this to blue light for a moment. Are you okay yeah, go with that? for it. Go for it, man. <laughs> just I want to get ready for the day now. Yeah, I was about to say it's daytime. It's time to start waking up. Um, yeah, and and when you have that time for yourself in the morning, then it, it allows you to go about the day from the right angle and from the right trajectory. And um, I'm really, I'm really big on those things. So, um, okay. So you mentioned your hierarchy of values, and I want to touch on that for a moment. So. I'm very happy to hear that health is number one <laughs> because uh, for a oh, lot definitely. of people, you know, you know, a lot of people, it, it, it isn't or maybe it's number two or three or four. Um, they're just worried about getting by. Um, and I think through COVID-19, we saw a shift in that. Uh, we certainly did as a business when all of a sudden everyone's thinking, oh, I, I, I should try and be healthy now. And uh, you know, maybe I should do something for myself. And that was actually a really beautiful thing out of COVID-19. Um, so health number one, then, then what's number two, three, four, five for you? What, what are the things that kind of help guide you? Well, about well, the just, just, just on health. I mean, the, the reason number one, the, the reason for me, health is number one and, and, and hierarchy of values is, is a, is a story. It's, it's a, it's a, it's journey. And I think it's health is such a big space. It's not, there's so much to health. You know, you talk about your morning ritual. Well, that's health. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a 5.15 start sort of person. Mm. 
I, I um I don't judge, but I but I think if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in yourself and then invest in your in, in being the best you for the day, you might as well give yourself a uh, an awakening very early to be ready for the day. You know, so health for me is number one, and number two is family. And it's an interesting combo. Why is family two? I mean, why wouldn't you have them as number one or or relationships as number two? Well, if I'm not healthy, I'm not around. I'm not around to keep my family secure, to give to keep them provided, to keep them nourished in in, in positive affirmation and and congruent assertiveness. Um, in, in being, you know, I don't want to go traditional in my in my reference to family, but you know, just being a, an influencer in the home and the immediate circle, and thereafter, my 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 my, my key friends, for which I can count them on one hand, mm. and that's a great thing because I don't need fifty hands to count who are my friends. I've got plenty of friends, but mm. um, yeah, as it relates to family and the concept of family, mm. I have um, a very limited amount of you know. I have a, in an emergency, here are the five numbers you would call outside of my immediate family list. Yeah. And every one of those persons know me and I know them. It's like we were sisters and or brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no judgment. So re- really, really interesting. So family is number two, Alex. Number three is by, um, by a long shot and, and to many what I'm just about to share gets wrapped up in in, in, the, in the explanation. So I call number three money, mm. and and money is a direct relation to your integrity, and money is a direct relation to your congruency, and money is a direct relation to your your ability to be a student of the tool called money, and and there is a tipping point where money and what money can do for you is passed. And therefore, money is just something that's there that you need to respect. It's a tool. You know, people say, oh, it's the love of money that's the evil. Well, it is. The love of money is the evil. But, but money and what it can do as it relates to, you know, choices and quality of life and, and ultimately, you know, um, unnecessary anxiety and stress, which impacts in a big way health. You know, we lost a very good friend of ours um, about a week ago, and, and, and he was a hero. He was a significant businessman in Australia, and he was the owner of Harehouse Warehouse. And, 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 you know, Joe, Joe Latouf, rest in peace, my friend, he got buried on Saturday morning. And, um, you know, a year ago to the day, he was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And he used to train every day. He was healthy every day, but he just had a knack for being stressed. And it wasn't because he didn't have money. He just had a knack for being stressed. So, you know, when you think about health, family, relationships, close friendships, and then business, there's a hierarchy there that puts it in the right place for me. But it also, it, it's an easy thing to, to, to lose sight of if you get too absorbed in it. It's an easy thing to, to want more of because it, it has a power that has ruined many. And... You know, th- th- there's a component of money that you get what you deserve. Yeah, and I think you also get what you believe 
the, our beliefs around money are so strong and so ingrained. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, and just on that, how you do anything is how you do everything. Show me who your best five friends are and I'll tell you exactly where you're going. You are the sum of. And, you know, all that. And I don't need to hang around rich friends. Right. I just need to be around the right people who, who allow me to be me. Right. and don't judge me or I don't need to pretend. And, and you know, you, you know me well enough to know I don't have a, yeah, anyway, you've known me for a long time. <laughs> so m- money is number three, which is a, a place of business and a place of prosperity and a place of, you know, in fairness, your, 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 your business and your career and your life will have a legacy. Money as a, as a category, which is business and career, Will, will, will be a big part of legacy. Um, number four is philanthropy. Mm. You know, the ability to do philanthropy well. I mean, I um, I, I just it, it, it's just one of those the most powerful things to do, in my opinion. I've seen it done really well, and I've seen it done at a very humble level because you know, five percent of something is five percent of something. Now. When you're at a stage, and this is, this is again, some of the great teachings of uh, my early mentors, Stefan, you know, 5% of a dollar is 5 cents. Get used to um, being philanthropic with 5 cents. Mm. Okay, well, that's not much, Basil. Well, that's okay, but it's 5 cents. It's 5%. Mm. And, you know, when you think about 5% of $1,000, 5% of $10,000, and, and ultimately that just, you know, just, just think that through. And the other thing, you know, if you can buy a kid, a child, a gift of a bike, imagine the day when you can buy the whole village a container of bikes, you know, and it's all, and I'm, I'm you know, so philanthropy for me is a big one. I've been um, heavily involved with the Red Cross for about 27 years now and and there's a lot of things that, again, I participate in and or, are very pro bono about that. Um, it's philanthropy. Yeah. I think it's um, it's also the third. It's also the third stage of goal setting. So the first stage of goal setting, if I can just be really quick here, yeah. the first stage of goal setting for me is I needed to work away negative goal setting. I need to get out of this textile manufacturing business. Get mum and dad back to a place where they got choice. I'm out of here. Negative goal setting. Yeah. There was a negative thing I needed to get away from. I need to quit smoking. I need to stop eating bad food, negative goal setting. I need to lose weight, negative goal setting. Once you've done that, once you've done that, now it's about positive goal setting and you move into a a different phase. Typically with age, you move into the moving towards phase of goal setting, right, because now you can, you have the belief, you have some structure, you have outcome-based thinking and then you what does it look like? Work back. What do I need to do? What does it need to look like at certain milestones? Bang. You're on a journey with correction all the way through. And then the third phase is the giving back phase, which is what I just described, philanthropy at the next level, which is I think philanthropy at the next level doesn't need to have your name on the hospital ward. I think it's great if you can, but it doesn't need to. It doesn't need your name on the school building. It'd be great if you can. It doesn't need to be that. Don't be, in my opinion, well, I, I'm not motivated by that, right? So that I'm talking about me. And the fifth and one of the most amazing, like, you know, you just you mentioned it before for your ritual in the morning, mm. gratefulness, gratitude. Yeah. 
Yeah. I go. I, I, I literally have a KPI on this and have for about 17 years and I score it every day and I don't hit it every day, but, my God, I score it. It's a lie. Five thank yous as a minimum every day. Love I that. thank you for. I thank you for. Like this morning on my Facebook post, there's already two thank yous to Craig and the team at Fit Studio for that, for that mm. milestone reach. Mm. Mm. So they're my five, five hierarchy of values, mate. Health, family, business, money, um, philanthropy, and gratitude. Love that. And did they? Did you do a lot of work to define those? You know. Did you say, okay, I'm going to sit down and work these out or was it something that was just a product of your life and what, and you kind of just realise that when you drive your day and your week based around those that you're feeling more fulfilled? Uh, look, stage, stages, I mean, health would not have been my first. Health would not have been because I, it was just a natural reflex for me as a young, you know, very prominent soccer player and mm. You know, school captain and blah blah blah. So, so health for me was not an issue. I knock on wood. There's a bit of wood in here. <laughs> knock on wood. I, I don't know my doctor's name. I don't have a doctor. I don't have a GP. I, I have no idea. I I just knock on wood, right? Because mm. you know I don't want to over, over over talk about that. Right. But um, so health was not something that was. It was part of life from my teens and my 20s and even my early 30s and yeah as I get into my 40s and 50s you know I'm 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 on but when the kids came along and the and the responsibility of being the custodian of a journey called children and and being here to keep them secure and or on track or being the confidant Mm. and um and making sure that you know health all of a sudden went into a different place right (laughs) And then, you know, you think about managing 150 to 200 businesses every month and, and a team that is growing and our reach is going global. And My God, I don't, I have so much life and I don't want to take it for granted because I don't know my doctor's name. Right. Yep. That's called ignorance, right? Mm. So health, health is a big play as it relates to, to all that and it certainly has shifted. Uh, money and business would have been something a lot more focused for me in my in my earlier years because I was rebuilding a big piece and then Terry and I needed to build our piece and you know that's that's why it's number three and mm. and I'm just again I, I do come from a southern Mediterranean sort of background and family is very um, it's just sacrosanct and. So, so number two for me um, sits there as it relates to, I guess, my upbringing too. And so, so there, there was a little bit of that um, philanthropy. I didn't really, you know, I got taught philanthropy very young, and I sort of thought that was important. And I knew giving time back to the charities and the and the people and the organisations I support um, was a feel good mm. and so good from a spiritual perspective. You know, the spiritual fulfilment that. I wanted more of that and I want more of that. You know, it's such a destiny for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I find whenever you whenever you give, you you always receive back. Um, the key there is to not give just so you receive. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't quite Oh, work. yeah. The, 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 the <laughs> law of reciprocity, uh, Alex, uh, right. plays in a very peculiar way. Yeah. And once again, you get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, but, yeah, there's something, you know, I was saying to one of my team the other day, I said, I just want to be able to 
I just want to be able to have everyone on my team feel how appreciative of the great work that they do I am. You know, uh, we've worked so hard in improving our team and our culture and it's such a place where people want to come to work now and we're, we're all having some fun, you know, and I just, I can't tell the team how much I appreciate them enough, you know, and I'm just always trying to give back and, and give more to them because um, their, their work is incredible and I'm so grateful for that. And whenever I do that, I just, you just feel good, you know, or just, just giving in any, in any way, shape or form, you know, maybe it's a piece of fruit to a homeless person or something. It just feels nice. And, and I think there's some magic. There's, an, there's, there's certainly a subconscious magic, and, and, and this is for everyone, not just you. Mm. There's a subconscious magic in being the leader of something going somewhere that doesn't need the constant verbalisation of that. Right. You know, when you can become a place of ripple, a place of, you know, um, uh, the law of procession, the law of, you know, the bumblebee, has some nectar, it goes to the next flower, and, 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 and on its journey, the bee leaves pollen everywhere, which is what the universe needs, right? So uh, just in what you said there, it, 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 is, it dawns on me because I, I feel, you know, it's an out-of-body experience. I just want to say thank you so loud <laughs> and continuously do it to the point where, well, in fairness, um, you are leading something that's going somewhere. You have provided a lot of people and you will continue to job security, the security of having a safe home, the security of being guaranteed to have your, your, your paycheck that allows you to do what you need to do every, every week, every month. So there is, a, there is a subconscious appreciation that sometimes doesn't always need to be verbalised because of the work you do as the leader at iHealth Saunas, because of the leader that you are becoming and, and are constantly at 1% improvement every other day as it relates to the, the magnificent things you do well and the things that you realise you need to keep on improving. Right. Yeah, and that's think, the journey. I think there's a lesson in that for all uh, small business owners in that uh, we always feel like uh, we need to like go the next level and and have everyone, you know, perfectly happy and content all the time. And we forget that we are already providing as is. Um, so some wise words, wise words there. So, mate, um, we're, we're getting close. Uh, if, uh, if, you could, if you could offer some advice for those out there, whether they're running a business or just working for someone else and they're, they're stressed about money given what's going on in the world at the moment, any, any words of advice on things to focus on for them or, you know, some little things they can start to do which will help, you know, change their mindset around, around money or wealth or just life in general? Yeah, so I'll start, with the, uh, I'll start with team members first, if that's okay. Yeah. So if you're a team member currently and you belong to a team and you may, you may have some... Um, Again, some insecurities as to where to from here. I mean, Victoria specifically um, in Australia is having a few issues at the moment and, and, and we're okay. We'll be fine. Mm. Um, so my feedback to team members is reach out to your, 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 your um, I'll, I'll just call it owners or bosses, whatever you want to call it, guys. I mean, employers. Yeah. But reach out to your, uh, to your direct um, um, 
employers and ask what else can I be doing? How else can I be helping? Mm. Is it okay if I start an hour earlier and finish an hour later? What else can I be doing to help the business? Strong advice. Yeah. If you're the type of person that asks those sort of questions and you belong to someone's team, you have no problem. If you're the sort of guy that should be starting at 8 o'clock or 8.30 or 9 and you think because working from home you can start at 9.30, and it's not about micromanagement, it's the attitude, right? So go to your, go to your team leaders, go to your bosses, go to your employers, Go to your fellow team members and say, what else could I be doing because I am prepared to do? And please don't use the word try. Try is a weak word. Mm. You either do or you do not. So that's my advice to employees and team members. And my God, the world is so much better for A players on teams. Mm. A players want to win. The thing about business, you cannot do it on your own and it's so much harder when you've got dysfunctionality and negativity. So as a team member, put your hand up and be counted. It's not about hard work, it's about attitude. As a business owner, as a business owner, um, if as a 24-year-old with just a couple of degrees I took on, a very broken and very much in debt business in a crap industry in Australia when everyone else was closing textile manufacturing factories and, and going to Southeast Asia or China and making um, garments and, and pieces of um, garments there. And I was able to turn that around when I was, I was literally in isolation. There was no one on my dance floor. In, in, in that phase, there was no one saying, oh, stimulus this, stimulus that, mm. 17% interest rates. If I, as a seven, as, as a 20, or whatever, 23, 24-year-old, was able to turn that baby, that big bad boy around with my team, with my family, and turn it into a benchmark business against the trend, I don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand what, um, and I don't want to be delusional here, I don't understand where your focus is. And if it's not on your business and knocking on more doors, making more phone calls, reaching out and re-engaging, reactivating, realigning, building better relationships, asking for repeat and or referral business. Everything I've just mentioned is no money down, by the way. Everything I've just mentioned is a diary that has you as the leader being a little more proactive where you need to be versus watching Sky News or listening to 3AW for that matter. So if you're an owner of a business, big or small, if you have people on your team, you have a family that's dependent on you to get up and about, choose what your activities are and make it happen. Mm. Make it happen. So whether you're in retail, whether you're in hospitality, whether you're in manufacturing and or distribution or trade and or construction or service, and every one of those industries are at our stable at Business Benchmark Group, 97% of them 
are trending towards record quarters. So as a business owner and a leader, it's up to you what you choose to put your energy into. I'm suggesting, as I just did, seven to eight strategies, no money down. It just depends on attitude. You can have the next best. Actually, interestingly enough, Alex, it's a brand new season next Wednesday. Yes, it is. We go back to zero, mate. It's mm-hmm. a new financial year. <laughs> Everything I've done in business since 1992-3 has got me ready for this next financial year. It's the game. Mm. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. Mate, What? Uh, there's not a better way to end, I don't think. Um, I need to share some gratitude with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we got into some deep stuff there and, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it's been awesome. If, uh, if people want to find out more about yourself, Business Benchmark Group, um, all the good stuff you guys are doing, um, where can they go? Where can they look you guys up? How can they find you? Well, they can, uh, they, they can do it one of two ways. They can certainly, um, it's, it's businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au and there's a reason we call it a business benchmark, not business hopeful or wishful. Uh, businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au and we have some really good tools right now we have an amazing free resource library for everyone and anyone please um, go along I mean last night we um, we did the cyber security um, um, deep dive with um, one of the best in the country um, Patrick Hussain so that's how they can meet us or they can ping you Alex and you could um, you can introduce them to us directly and um I assure everyone, if you need a uh, you know, a red carpet to me, um, you, you, you can walk on that, and your name would be on the list. So reach out to Alex, and um, I'm more than happy to reach out to you. And, and, and it's no obligation. I mean, you know, the more of the more. Well, let, let's help. Let's help people stay gainfully employed. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's help people make more um, more abundance in this world. So gratitude to you, Alex, and well done on your journey, man. You are just. A phenomenal, a phenomenal poster um, of of of. I own it, I do it, I learn it, I do it, I learn it. So well done, just just really happy. Thank you, man. Just really happy and grateful to have you as a um, as a leading light at your at your age level, which is just a it's just a label. I don't want to label you, but you are. You know, our eldest client of Business Benchmark Group is eighty four years old. Right, <laughs> our youngest client of business benchmark group is Alex Tyson. Right, and you know between the two of you, you're just remarkable human beings. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and um, I'll talk to you soon, no doubt. Thank you. Cheers. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. 